Greetings, friends and gentle listeners, and welcome to episode 62 of the Spicer Speaking Podcast, coming to you from now ubiquitously overcast and continuously humid Palm Desert, California, here in the nexus of the Gulf and sporting bosom that is the Coachella Valley, the Palm Springs area. I'm your host, Judd Spicer, five-time award-winning writer, associate member of the Golf Writers Association of America, former ESPN radio co-host, 11.4 handicap. I had a couple rounds last week, got it down a decimal point, had a pretty solid 82 in there, a little more consistent ball striking. Appreciate you joining this week. This is I'm readily looking forward to a super cast of guests. It's going to start with our friend from the Desert Sun newspaper, columnist Shad Powers. Going to join the Spicer Speaking podcast. Been a few months, if not a little bit more, since welcoming Shad back to the program. Got the onset of prep football this week. Shad and I will discuss his prescience put forth in the Desert Sun, making prep football predictions. You can find that online at DesertSun.com. Also about three weeks away from the onset of the National Football League season. Shad and I are division rivals. You know where I'm from. He'd be from Michigan. I'm going to talk about his Lions a little bit, or at least the NFC North. And continue news for our Coachella Valley Firebirds of the AHL minor league affiliate of the NHL's Seattle Kraken. Continued news coming from the Firebirds making their home debut just a handful of months away, right before Christmas, their season debut for mid-October before the arena is ready here just down the street from where I'm talking right now, Akershire Arena, just a couple months away from being ready. Probably won't talk that much golf with Shad, But I will have the pleasure to do so with this week's second guest, rising star in the ladies' golf world. She's had an incredible summer coming by way of Florida. She will be in the desert this week for Stage 1 of the LPGA's annual Q School, Bailey Shoemaker. You may have seen Bailey on television in recent days competing in the U.S. Women's Am. Just one of several terrific performances that Bailey has authored uh, over the course of spring and summer season. Just 17 years old. Curious to talk about uh, Q School, which is being played at two of the three courses over at Mission Hills Country Club, the Palmer and the Dinosaur Tournament course, also being played with our pals right here in Palm Desert at uh, Shadow Ridge Golf Club. Play three rounds, 54-hole cut, and then the final round back on the Dyna. Staying with golf, just a couple quick notes, a couple quick hitters before we get to our sponsors and this week's guests. The PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs down to the uh, top 70, although I think there are 68 competitors at the BMW Championship this week. Cameron Smith. He is not going to be there citing a hip injury, which feels a little euphemistic to me, provided that uh, ample rumors swirling about, and we've heard a lot of that, of dudes potentially defecting to live golf. Something about these rumors, though, feel like they're going to stick, unfortunately, for Cameron Smith, not going to be participating this week. For the 68 players who are participating, they'll be doing so at Wilmington Country Club in uh, Delaware, first stop for the uh, PGA Tour uh, at this event, which I always like. I always enjoy seeing the the pros playing a new and different golf course. Maybe Joe Biden will be there. Maybe my old pal and college baseball teammate, Delaware native Jeff Herlock, will be there to check out the action. Second step of the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up this week before they get down to the Final 30 and the Tour Championship. One note from the writing desk, you've heard me talk a few times about the Temecula Golf and Travel. Did that for Avid Golfer. My guy Eli Jordan out of Dallas, Texas. That article is now out. You can find that piece on Temecula Golf and Travel. A lot of wine recommendations, winery recommendations. 
That's found online, just came out in recent days at myavidgolfer.com. Of course, friends, none of this would be possible without a trio of super sponsors. That list, rather, starts weekly with Perform Better, performbetter.com. All your gym, fitness, seminar, workout needs. Don't forget about that summer sale going on now through the close of September. Nearly 100 items with 40% off. Taking a peek in recent days, you can find all sorts of stuff there to outfit your own gym, some sundries, also some curiosities. I always got some fun stuff at performbetter.com. A few of the things that I saw that maybe you are looking for. We got kettlebells. We got dumbbells. We got something called a lever bell. We got a squat stand. Again, nearly 100 items now on sale through September at performbetter.com. Desert Willow Golf Resort right here in Palm Desert, California, home of the Mountain View and Firecliff courses, respectively. When you go to make your tee times at desertwillow.com, never forget about the exceptional and on-site Palm Desert Golf Academy actually headed there this week to see our old pal and recent guest of the podcast, Paul Busey. He's the director of instruction over there. Just a little swing doctoring, just a little checkup. Looking forward to going to see Paul. It's been about a year since I've had his eyes on my golf swing. Also going to be there a few weeks hence. Looks like about a fortnight for what is a rematch of what is called the Media Melee, in which Blake Arthur, you know our guy Blake, local guy, television guy, KESQ, he and I teamed up, and we got pummeled by Brian Simpson and Derek White. That was also about a year ago over at Desert Willow Golf Resort. That rematch coming up again in a couple of weeks, but i got to get ready for it. We shall have our vengeance. Last but certainly never least, internationally renowned golf photography from the stellar sibling tandem of John and Janine Hennebury. You can find their vast portfolio of international golf courses, domestic courses all over the Union at the Hennebrys, H-E-N-E-B-R-Y-S.com. Don't forget about the social media handles for the Hennebrys. Johnny, as mentioned in recent episodes and throughout the summer, he's been on his usual work, golf, photography, odyssey, traveling all over the place, all over Europe, all over the States this summer season. You can find a lot of those photos Get on the social media handles also at the Hennebrys. I follow it on Facebook, I believe Instagram as well, H E N E B R Y S. Friends, all that prefaced, let's get to this week's guests. All right, dudes, it's prefaced on episode 62 of the Spicer Speaking Podcast, a palpable pairing of guests going to begin with our old pal from the desert sun newspaper where he is a longtime columnist prep football season is nigh starting this week and then of course the nfl season just a few weeks away we've also got professional hockey kind of on the cusp of it at this point here in the desert proper here to discuss all that and probably a little bit more our pal shad powers shad good morning sir Hey, how's it going, Judd? It's going well. Maybe we sound, or at least I sound, like an old guy, get off my lawn guy. Because we, we talk this time of the year more than we usually do over the course of the summer months. I can't believe football's here. I can't <laughs> believe football's back. I mean, it's still hot out, man. And the fact that these kids are ready to suit up this Thursday, uh, this week, it's pretty crazy to me. Like if I were a high school kid, I kind of, I don't know if I would be up for putting on a helmet and pads in these kind of conditions. Doesn't it always surprise you when football comes back around. It does. This year, I think it might even be tougher because, you know, it does seem like we have this weirdly humid summer that's still happening. And, you know, I think that's worse than, than your 113 dry for a football team. Um, you know, our desert teams like to think of it as an advantage when a team comes into the desert from out of town. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's so hot everywhere these days. I don't, I don't think the advantage is quite as stark as it used to be. But um, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, school starting in its in its own right is crazy to me this early. And then, uh, yeah, football game on August 18th in the desert is is pretty wild. Obviously, you know, the CIF Southern section doesn't 
consult the desert when they make a, you know, make a schedule. So obviously they're, you know, it's not like, um, uh, you know, obviously we're sort of in a special circumstance where it is pretty, you know, a little bit rough, but, uh, but yeah, same, same as you, it seems like we just finished the spring sports and, you know, the, the last school year and here we are, you know, and ready, just, to, ready to hit the gridiron again. Yes. Anticipate perspiration and probably a little bit of cramping uh, over these uh, at least first couple of weeks of football some predictions, some impressions from uh, yourself and uh, Desert Sun colleague Andrew John. We, of course, uh, have the countdown to the Elite 11, which I know certainly uh, local and regional readers readily enjoy. Uh, those being the countdown of the, uh, the top players, as uh, predicted and projected by you guys. Also, earlier this week, had some projections on teams and standings and uh, finishes. Seems to be some consensus between yourself and Andrew that uh, five-time uh, defending DEL champion Palm Desert up for another very strong year. Uh, Coachella Valley over in the DVL also seems to be consensus to uh, to win that conference. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those, you know, when you're the champ, someone's got to, like, prove that they're better than you. And uh, in recent years, you know, you're right, Palm Desert in the DEL and Coachella Valley in the DVL have been sort of uh, on top. And on paper, you know, heading into the season, obviously we don't know everything, but, uh, you know, there's nothing to indicate that, that those, those teams are going to take a step backwards. So I think someone's going to have to jump up and grab it if they want to surpass them. Um, Palm desert is pretty loaded again, especially with, uh, big dudes on the offensive and defensive line. That's what coach Shane McComb really, um, treasures the most. I think they'll get back to kind of really grounding it out with a running game. They have a pretty neat running back, Dimitri Chester. He's real, a diminutive sort of a Darren Sproles looking guy. If you want to compare him to an NFL player, <laughs> but he's got that low center of gravity, little speed, little power even. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be fun to watch him run behind this really big line. Um, and they've got a good, you know, a quarterback that um, played half the season last year, Brady Clemmer, sort of a gamer um, to keep the NFL comparisons going. I think of him sort of like an Eli Manning, you know, it's like, he's not the fastest guy. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but, he just gets the job done. So I think those three things added together, I think will make Palm Desert pretty tough again. Um, you know, there's some other exciting players in the desert though. Um, definitely Xavier prep. It might be the most exciting team to watch. They've got a lot of like glitzy offensive players. Ryder Ruiz is the best quarterback uh, in the desert. And so they're kind of fun to watch. Um, they had a big breakthrough last year by tying for the title with Palm desert, the first ever football title for the school. Um, so that was a huge moment for Coach Dockery and the gang. And then, uh, yeah, and it's, it's shifting. But the whole Desert Empire League, I'm excited for this year. Every every team, you know, I don't think there's any have-nots this year. Everybody's got something positive going for them. So, you know, it's only a six-team league playing. So you play, you know, your record is is five games. Right. I mean, the, difference between, the difference between four and one, <laughs> and one, one and four is going to be like super minuscule this year. So really you know, might've been a fool's errand to try to predict the standings, but, uh, in that league, but, um, it should be fun to watch. I think every night, you know, you know, it's, people say it, but it actually, I think it's true this year, every night, someone, you know, anyone could win those, those three matchups each Friday night when the league starts. Desert Valley league, Coachella Valley, Indio, who really sort of rose up last year from the ashes and, and has a legitimate sort of upward movement going in their program. Sure. Um, I think we'll be up there as well. Could the final game of the year, the classic victory bell game, be a be a battle for also for the league title? That'd be pretty exciting. Indio hasn't made the playoffs in about 18 or 19 years. So that would be something too, if they can, you know, finish in the top three that usually secures a playoff spot. Um, I think that's very achievable. So that'll be kind of the things we're looking for in the DVL. Yucca Valley would be the third team I'd point to that has some uh, exciting young players that could could uh, contend for the title as well. Not mentioned uh, Cathedral City Lions. That'll be mm -hmm. my assignment for week one of yeah. the uh, season, kind of in a rebuilding phase. You can check out that um, as a minor addition to the major work done by Shad, uh, Andrew John, Matt Zielinski, Larry Bohannon, the rest of the Desert Sun team at DesertSun.com. I mean, per that coverage, Shad, I feel like the paper has kind of doubled down on prep football uh, in recent years and uh, 
certainly this year. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got this Elite 11 countdown. We seem to have uh, some additional articles. We've got a player of the week. You guys have gotten really creative with all these different facets. You and I have kind of talked about uh, writerly type questions uh, in, in past chats. I mean, for you, why does it remain compelling? Why do prep sports and specifically prep football on an annual basis, what keeps you interested and motivated? I mean, that's a good question, I guess. You know, I just turned uh, 50 this year, so it's uh, kind of fun to like, you know, obviously there's that little, you know, when you walk out on a field on a Friday night, there is that recapturing of your youth. I still get a, a kick out of that, you know, the band, the the cheerleaders, all that, all that stuff. I like the pageantry still, especially of a football Friday night or it doesn't have to be football, even in a, a crowded gym for a great volleyball game or something. I just love that. I still love that feeling. And, you know, just as sort of, um, you know, thinking of it as the way our job is, you know, I still feel like there's value in, um, you know, you know, like, like when we were younger, seeing your name in the paper was kind of an exciting thing. Um, even if you're not seeing it physically in the paper as much anymore, if you're, if you're a teenager, uh, you know, seeing your photo on Instagram or seeing your name on a, on a, in a story online, you know, there's still, I know that still sort of gives a boost to them. And I think it's kind of, you know, makes me feel good to know that people are interested still to see that stuff. And we can tell by the reactions we get and, um, you know, the discussion that comes out of uh, some of our predictions and stuff, uh, that there's still a lot of passion and passion behind it. And, uh, you know, we have passion for it too. So it's a good like marriage. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I don't see that going away anytime soon. I just really like it. You know, you have, we always have the same rhythm with the summer off, come back to, you know, action football. I was at a volleyball game last night. It's just fun to see that kind of stuff. I think, um, you know, and when you have that summer off coming back in the fall, there's something a little extra about it. From the preps to the professionals, NFL football, just about three weeks away, um, picks on a week to week basis in the desert sun compliments of Shad Powers and the aforementioned other fellows uh, that make their weekly predictions. Use the word consensus before further consensus in the 2023 Super Bowl odds. Just run down the favorites for you, Shad. The Bills uh, consensus uh, favorite kind of across the board, followed by the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Chiefs, and then uh, the L.A. teams, uh, the Rams followed by the Chargers. Do you feel like the betters are missing anybody there? I feel like they were pretty they're pretty quick to write off the Rams. I, I'm a little surprised they're not, um, you know, considered maybe the favorite in the NFC over Tampa Bay. Um, you know, obviously, they although there is now this little worry about Matthew Stafford, perhaps something with his uh, arm fatigue or something that would, of course, be a problem. But, uh, but, you know, I think they kind of won Super Bowl last year, of course, but also it didn't, it didn't even still feel like they were quite playing at their maximum level. So I feel like I would instill Tampa, uh, the Rams as the NFC favorite. Uh, yeah, I, I do like the Bills, of course, but it's like, gosh, it's hard to believe it until you see it see them actually make it in the Super Bowl. I, I was it was agonizing to see them, you know, get beat these last couple of years in the playoffs. But I do love that team and I just kind of like how they've sort of built from scratch to be a, a power without, you know, adding tons of um free agents and things like that. Although they're starting to do that to fill those last pieces, which the Rams this last year and the Buccaneers the year before showed it, you know, that's how you do it nowadays. <laughs> um but uh yeah I'm trying to think of a of a team that I feel like people are under estimating a little bit it's funny to say the rams but also the Bengals. i don't think people are <laughs> respecting what the Bengals did last year either enough um, and i would agree i mean the Bengals not uh, in the top 10 in any preseason super bowl favorite they can be had at 22 to 1 to win yeah, the super bowl, I, which they were basically a play away from winning right i'll put my 10 bucks on that that's a good like that's <laughs> some good um good re- return on your investment there and they they you know the afc is tougher there's no doubt there's six or seven great teams. And I think the Bengals are one of them. Why can't they win the Super Bowl easily? They could. So that, you're right. If you're, if you're a, a betting man, that's, that might be the way to go. Some, somebody like, it, it's funny to think of the two Super Bowl champions as the, as these uh, rug, you know, uh, upstart underdogs that I'm talking about, but it is, um, you know, does, you're right. I think people are, are, are too quick to dismiss last year's uh, Super Bowl competitors. Speaking of true underdogs, your Motor City Kitties, the Detroit Lions, uh, near the bottom, at least uh, we're going on the wagering, coming off a three-win season, 125 to one. Does that feel 
right for you uh, for the Lions? <laughs> you think that they can crest the three-win season of 21? I think they'll definitely crest the three-win season. I think they're, um, you know, I, I think they're heading in the right direction. I think everyone agrees. They played great, uh, their best football at the la- at the end of the year last year. Um, you know, finishing three, two, and one, which is pretty good six game stretch for them. <laughs> Beating some good teams along the way, actually. Um, and of course, they've got better. Um, they had some nice free agent additions. Of course, they had their traditional high draft pick. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, had, had, did some nice drafting maneuvering as well, using the picks they got for uh, Stafford. So I think everybody's pretty excited in, in uh, Lion Land as far as the trajectory. Uh, you know, obviously, the world is getting to know our uh, crazy coach a little bit now that the team is on hard knocks. Um, you know, good choice by hard knocks. There's, I, I doubt there's a coach that's more like telegenic than ours. <laughs> Can he coach a football team to a win? I don't know, but he's definitely a fun, fun guy to have around. Polar opposite of Matt Patricia, their previous coach. <laughs> so if nothing else, I think there's like reason to be, um, you know, proud of the team. And I think uh, Jared Goff is, a, is, you know, a fine quarterback still. They have their strength. The Lions' best asset is they have a great offensive line. So really, almost any NFL quarterback looks pretty good behind a great line. So I think they can win. I think they can get around that 500 mark. That's sort of what I'm imagining. 7, 10, 8, and 9 type of season. Yeah, to me, it looks like a sneaky team. Uh, yeah. Swift in the backfield, uh, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson, a tight end, Amon yeah. uh, St. Brown. These are all palpable pieces to a team that should win more than three games. Speaking yeah. of three, yeah, focus on uh, week three. Sorry to interrupt you. Vikings yeah. and Lions play for the first of two times. That one okay. is in Minneapolis. They play again week 14. I smell side bet. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, what do you think about the Vikings this year? Feels like kind of every year. Should be a playoff team, but not, uh, not a Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a tricky schedule, which is to say... 10 or 11 wins feels hopeful, um, but nine or 10, somewhere, somewhere in that realm, nine, I guess, feels feels about yeah. right to me. They got, it's got kind of like the Lions. I mean, there are a lot of good players there. Mm-hmm. Of course, have a, a new head coach, super young guy, and uh, Kevin O'Connell, hopefully make a little bit better use of uh, certain offensive pieces, um, namely Delvin Cook. Uh, I think Delvin's mm-hmm. opportunities hopefully will – will increase a little bit more uh, receiving out of the backfield, but they should be good, not great. Right. That, that's, on, that's probably where I would put them too. Yeah. I think another reason for some excitement this year with the lions is their, their schedule is pretty um, available. You know, there's some wins on there. I know when people look at their schedule and see the lions, they're thinking that's a win as well, but you know what I mean? There's, I, you know, the parody in the NFL, I think is there. If there's just so many teams that feel like they could, be 12 and five or five and 12 and you wouldn't even be surprised either way you know what i mean there's there's a couple elite teams a couple real bottom dwellers and then that whole huge middle which is just about the toss-up games do, do they do the, does the coin flip your way on the close games vikings deservedly in the middle of that betting pack at 40 to 1 i should add friends you're tuning into episode 62 of the spicer speaking podcast chad powers columnist for the desert sun newspaper is my guest Order up a subscription to the Desert Sun, like get the physical newspaper, eat it with your bagel and frosted flakes in the morning, like I used to do as a kid, or subscribe online, desertsun.com, where you can read Shad's work as they're prepping for the onset of the prep football season. Uh, You can read his NFL picks, and you can read a whole lot of hockey coverage. Shad writes about a lot of different things, I should add. When I'm going to share this out in the social media routes, I was looking for a picture of you, and I found one on a horse. (laughs) <laughs> from your polo story from the spring so when i post this out that's going to be shad on the horse mm, that's, that's a rare photo indeed i think that's the only uh <laughs> time i've ever been on a horse and might be the only time i ever will be but that was pretty fun yeah i got to i got to uh take a polo lesson uh in january and that was uh it was it was fun i will say and you know being a uh riding the horse was its own experience but then you know swinging a polo mallet and trying to hit that ball on the ground you know you think to yourself well you know i play golf i can play baseball you know i can hit a ball with a bat yeah it's it's not as easy on a horse (laughs) i know newsflash but it was uh fun to learn how to do that and uh by the end of the little of the little uh uh, experiment i was uh i was pretty good at uh, making contact at the very least 
That story from the spring we can read about more recently, along with football topics, is Shad's coverage, along with Andrew John's coverage in the Desert Sun of our soon-to-be, or soon-to-debut AHL hockey team, Coachella Valley Firebirds. Now, the Akershire Arena, of course, Shad, is uh, still in process, um, but this, uh, the season starts in just two months, man. I mean, if, if Akershire was was done... It would feel even probably a more palpable sense of mm-hmm. nearing professional hockey. Of course, the arena is not going to debut until uh, December. So we still got about four months until uh, the Firebirds maiden home game. For your coverage, um, whether it be of Akershire Arena, whether it be anything about the team, I mean, they put out like two press releases a week and have a media conference about once every 10 days. I saw you recently <laughs> for the uh, the Fuego Yes, uh, the, the new the new uh, mascot of the Firebirds. How do you feel like those stories are uh, are performing pound for pound? Are you sensing a lot of reader interest for those? I think so. I think people are 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 still kind of like not sure what to make of uh, the actual hockey part of it. You know, who are these guys that are going to be playing? Um, those are the kind of things I'm trying to like um, learn about myself. A and then B sort of share like what is what is the AHL exactly you know, where are these guys coming from? I mean, obviously it's, um, I was kind of fascinated to talk to one of their first two players that they signed, you know, a guy that's 24 been playing hockey all his life. And I asked him if he'd ever been to Palm Springs and he said, Palm Springs, I've never been to California. I've never been to the West coast. (laughs) Uh, you know, he hasn't been to Seattle. So it's kind of interesting. Like you forget that we think of a pro athlete as, you know, uh, globe trotting around and, and, and being everywhere. But for a hockey player, if you figure, you know, they're from, you know, this, this particular guy was from Canada, played in New Hampshire, you know, played, uh, you know, uh, he, he was on a team in Florida. Uh, but it was just kind of, it's just kind of interesting to think like, you got to remember these guys aren't just, uh, you know, winging around professional guys. These are like young men who are, you know, experiencing a lot of these things for the first time. And so those are the kind of things I'm, I'm, I'm learning. That's kind of interesting. You know, it, it'll be, you know, this is pro hockey. This is big, you know, it's legitimate, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to hear these, um, how excited some of these guys are to come. And then, uh, but to your original question, yeah, I, I, I find as far as the things that people are interested in the most, I think right now are the arena. I feel like, or we feel like stories about Akershire Arena, how it's going, photo updates, um, our great photography team. Um, I think people are getting a kick out of those and kind of, you know, cause that's something palpable we saw in January first, let's say nothing over there. And now there's a full on arena that looks legitimate. It's kind of amazing how fast it came around. But, uh, but I think uh, right now people are excited about interested in the arena. I think in two months, like you said, October 16th is the um, first game. Uh, they'll, that'll be up in Calgary that when the Firebirds debut. Um, so I think then we'll start to know how much people really care about like, okay, they won tonight against Calgary, you know, three to two, this guy scored a goal. Like it's going to take us a while, I think, to get into that kind of stuff as as desert sports fans but i think it's exciting i can tell there's a lot of excitement and i I think for sports fans like you and me there's millions of us here that are like transplanted you've got your minnesota teams i've got my my michigan detroit teams um but here's something we can unify on hey we're both coachella valley firebirds fans now unifying this unusual part of the world where there's so many different sports fans from all over now we've got this one team we can all kind of root for yeah, and the first one, obviously, first full-time yeah. pro sports franchise in the desert. Uh, have you guys had a lot of talks, uh, continued talks internally about technique styles of how you want to cover the season eventually, uh, once it does start in October, and then once the Firebirds make their home debut in December? Yeah, it's, it, we've had a lot of discussions, but we, we sort of keep just sort of, um, you know, it's sort of like a a Rubik's cube we haven't figured out yet. Like we just don't know what the interest level is going to be on a night to night basis. Like our reader is going to expect us to have like at least a little story about the actual game every night. And maybe they will, because this is a pro team. We we haven't had one here. And are we kind of considering ourselves the um, ambassadors of this team nationally too? People follow the AHL. So how are they going to know what happened in the Firebirds game on a Wednesday night if if we're not, uh, you know, they're helping spread the word a little bit. Um, and then I, and then if you do, we do a feature story about a player, those kind of things I'm sure will be interesting after a while. But at first, you know, these are all, you know, 
it's going to be an interesting experiment following a team like this that's you know by nature transitional like the second we have a player that we all love and scoring all kinds of goals he might get called up to Seattle <laughs> you know that's what it's like It'd be something similar to rooting for a triple a baseball team but I think it'll be um we are having those discussions and it's and it's uh hard to kind of visualize something we haven't done before but we are excited that it's coming and you know to have something new to the rhythm of our sports coverage year calendar I think will be pretty exciting um right up until there's the hockey game during the tennis tournament during a high school <laughs> sure. then we'll be in, then we'll be uh like there's a hockey game on the Sunday of the uh American Express for example uh you know how are we going to handle that they're home the entire tennis tournament um so that'll be interesting you know kind of straining our resources a little bit but but also like wh which way do we go you know there's you're right it's gonna be a whole new world for us when it comes to how to cover this team but we're definitely gonna blanket cover it as much as we can get you out of here on this one shad it's not apropos of nothing for those readily familiar with shad's work not just limited to the fields of sport covered a lot of music and uh some great uh, entertainment and film review columns at the desert sun just curious man uh a league of their own the new series on uh, uh amazon prime video have you uh have you checked that out I've, I've seen the trailer and i'm i'm kind of excited about it i like all the actor actors and actresses that are in it um you know i think that's the i, I can see that being a success you know that's just a, a a tale we all loved obviously um when the movie came out you know, I feel like it's a, you know, rife area for um, interesting thing, interesting uh, social perspectives as well that sort of go well with the current state of affairs. So I think it'll be a hit. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be hard to quickly get invested or quickly sort of forget about our favorite peaches from the old days and <laughs> get, get into this new squad. Nick, oh. Offerman, Nick Offerman is the coach. I think I, I, I certainly like him. I know most people do um the Tom Hanks character so I think it'll be um I don't know I feel like it's gonna be a hit but I have not watched an episode yet have you uh I've watched some of it and okay. um I just kind of threw that one out at it out of nowhere some curious choices um okay. not saying uh for good or bad but taking a story in a decidedly different direction you and I will chat after you've had opportunity to get into a few episodes okay, yeah. uh Better Call Saul is that a show of yours Yes, that's actually my number one show, but okay, no spoiler, no spoiler. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you because uh you know how it is when you're uh when you're married and you watch a show with your wife. Uh my wife's actually out of town right now and she's coming back on Wednesday. So we're uh, uh the show is was on Monday night. So I'm trying to like avoid all spoilers until Wednesday because that's when we have to watch the finale. But yeah, I'm gonna be honest, I consider that to be the best show I've ever seen. Uh Fighter Call Saul is my number one. It it's sort of zoomed past breaking bad and you know the americans was a show i kind of considered my favorite before that but um but i think better call saul is the best television show there's ever been <laughs> to this think, point and i and i haven't watched the uh, series finale uh, from yeah. earlier this week either i was kind of saving it but yeah. um i'm with you we are certainly in concert in our uh um belief uh in in the excellence yeah. of of what that program uh, has has accomplished and kind of as an underdog in, yeah. in a way um following up from breaking bad which also one of the top 10 shows ever in my in my estimation but you feel that better call Saul ultimately usurped what breaking bad did I do I, I don't know if that's unpopular thing to say but no I think it's just there's something a little different about it in the filmmaking it really feels like a, a movie every week um you know a lot of tv great tv shows do these days but something extra special about better call saul and those performances i mean the lead you know odin kirk of course uh ray seahorn uh plays kim wexler it's amazing i mean they're, they're just like unmatched um talent right now it's it's just so so impressive to watch and you just oh you're just on the edge of your seat every every second yeah and part of the brilliance again in my estimation of this final season that was the kind of breadcrumbs in the black and white that took you past mm -hmm. breaking bad into the future and now this last season and these final episodes have had a lot of that if not the majority of that which mm -hmm. again haven't watched this finale yet but to me it's just been an exceptional way to close out this story yeah I know right I, I it's funny too um 
that it's funny that you also didn't watch the finale out live. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, yeah, we, um, I, I texted my wife last night. I was like, well, what are we doing? Are we going to watch this, uh, right, you know, separately right now? Or should we wait till you're home? And uh, we decided to wait. So trying to avoid all, I jokingly put out on Twitter, if everyone that follows me on Twitter, if they could also wait till Wednesday, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Well, what is not to be avoided, of course, is uh, Shad Power's work at the Desert Sun. Follow him. Get a newspaper subscription for the tangible physical newspaper or an online subscription at DesertSun.com. Follow all the prep coverage that we talked about. Follow Shad's NFL picks. And who knows? Maybe he'll have opportunity to do a column on a better call. Saul recap. Appreciate your time, buddy. Looking forward to the football season ahead. No problem. There are some good subscription deals right now, and some of them are for three months. Boom, that puts you right through the high school football season if you want to, you know, dip your toe in. Sure, you can find that. You want to post some of those deals on your Twitter account as well, which uh, you should rightly do. I think that that's Chad Powers. Do I have it right? Yes. Okay, I got that. Good to visit, buddy. Uh, yeah, awesome, man. I, I love uh, being on the show, Judd. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, man. All right, friends, enjoyed that previous visit with our guy Shad Powers of the Desert Sun newspaper. As prefaced, a palpable twin billing of guests on this week's episode of the Spicer Speaking Podcast. My next guest, real pleasure to have her at just 17 years old. She's accomplished more in her golf career, heck, probably in the last five months than anything that we mid-handicapped duffers probably accomplish in our golf lifetimes. Fresh off a semifinal appearance in the U.S. Women's Am. You may, or may have seen her on television uh, recently competing in that event. Probably seen her on television uh, this summer competing in a lot of USGA events and doing so quite well. She is a 2023 commit to the University of Southern California. And she is out in the desert proper this week to compete at both Mission Hills Country Club and Marriott Shadow Ridge Golf Club in the LPGA's Stage one of Q School. All that prefaced. Welcome Bailey Shoemaker to the Spicer Speaking Podcast. Hello, Bailey. Hi. Uh, appreciate you joining. All right. I'm going to go through the chronology of what you have accomplished in recent months. Tell me if I got anything wrong. There's a lot here, but I want to orient the, the listeners or in case of those on YouTube, the uh, the viewers. Let's go back to March a little bit, Bailey. You competed in the uh, the ANWA, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. From there, you made the final of the U.S. Women's Am four ball. In June, you competed in the U.S. Women's Open, where you made the cut, impressively finished tie for 49th. You appeared in an LPGA event, the ShopRite Classic, also made the cut, finished tie for 42nd. You won the Florida Women's Amateur Championship, the first junior ever to do so in the event's nearly 100-year history. We're still going here. There's a couple more for that. <laughs> uh, the U.S. Uh, Girls Junior Am made the round of 32. Uh, and then, yes, at Chambers Bay last week, made the semifinals of the U.S. Women's Am. Know that you didn't make it to the final, but you basically ran into a buzzsaw in Saki Baba, who would go on the next day in a near uh, record-setting pace to win that championship 11-9. and nine. Uh, Kudos to you, Bailey, on all those accomplishments. To what do you attribute all this fine play of late? Um... Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been busy <laughs> lately, um, especially starting in the spring. I had like seven tournaments in a row. Um, all were good. Um, I had a good run in the spring. Um, obviously busy this summer so far. Um, this is about my fifth tournament in a row right now um, here at Q School. But yeah, just been on the road a lot lately and I love the grind. So I like to keep it up. <laughs> You do. At just 17 years old, all that uh, travel, all that golf, not too much for you? I think it's awesome. I, I love, love traveling in them. I love playing a lot of tournaments. Um, I get made fun of a little bit by, you know, all my peers around me. They, um, like one or two tournaments in a row is a lot for them. And, you know, um, I've played seven tournaments in a row early in the spring and about five, six right now. So uh, I'm used to it and I love it. It's my life right now. 
uh, of all those accomplishments uh, recent that uh, stands out, what stands out most to me rather is your showing in the U.S. Uh, Women's Open at uh, Pine Needles uh, back in June. I mean, through the first three rounds, superb play. And that's not to uh, to 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 go negative on the final round, but you were basically on the cusp of a, a top 10 finish. Um, it looked like a very, very uh, tough course. Uh, the eventual champion was one who is a previous major champion, which kind of gives a sense of how good you need to be to succeed in that atmosphere. What did that do for you? What was that experience like in the uh, the uh, U.S. Women's Open? Yeah, um, I I played in Volunteers of America last um, July, I believe, um, and that was my first pro event, uh, my first experience. So I feel like that helped me going into the U.S. Open, having that experience already. Um, it was record breaking that week for fans and stuff. I mean, playing as an amateur is the coolest thing in the U.S. Women's Open, just because all the fans are automatically on your side. They want an underdog. They want the amateurs to do well, um, especially as a kid in high school. Um, just a really cool week. And I love fans and I love that kind of an atmosphere. So I always feed off of that. Um, I thought it was the coolest thing. I, um, I played well the first three rounds. Uh, my putter was very good. Um, as well as my chipping most of my short game was great that week. Um, so I ended up getting a little bit of a crowd, which I loved, um, just feeding off of that energy, but obviously last round wasn't too awesome. Um, kind of left me a little bit but it was a long week a long grueling week so uh it's bound to happen one day um but still awesome experience playing in a major championship and i've asked some uh, other girls or young women this over the years uh doing so as an amateur do you feel like you're just kind of playing with house money i mean there's no expectation for you to win or probably finish in the top 10 so you can just go out try to soak it in try to enjoy the experience be on television a little bit, which you were for some of those monster butts that I saw you roll mm -hmm. in. Is that kind of how it feels like you got nothing to lose? Yeah, exactly. And I, th I feel like that's why it's better for amateurs to play in it. Um, you're not playing for a paycheck and you're not playing for your career and your life on the line, basically. So you can just go out there and have fun and um, do what you do best and just enjoy golf more. Um, more recently, this last week, uh, Saki Baba that you ran into, uh, you actually tied with her. You both had the same score, coincidentally, perhaps, uh, at the, she also tied for 49th at the U.S. Women's Open. I mean, the fact that she would go on to win the title 11 and 9, did you just feel like you ran into a golfer who was just incredibly hot? Um, I don't, I feel like a lot of people that watched the coverage felt that it was that way. Um, but I struggled the last round, um, last week. Um, I had a lot of three putts and um, the entire week my putter was very hot and everybody saw that. Um, I was making a lot of longer putts, um, had a lot of confidence with the putter and that kind of left me um, the last round, even in uh, the quarterfinals when I played Lee Shen. Um, my putter left me a little bit and I wasn't making too much. Um, talked to Morgan about that um, and I was hoping it to get better for um, the semifinals when I played Saki and I knew if my putter wasn't awesome, I would have a little bit harder of a time. Um, she had a couple guaranteed birdies on par fives and stuff. She's longer than me, but um, my putter just wasn't hot and that didn't help me too much. Um, if it was better, like in my other matches, um, I would have liked to think it would end differently. Bailey, we have established uh, that of late and uh, I can only assume in recent years, well-traveled uh, playing golf courses around the country. Um, have you been to the Coachella Valley? You've been here to the Palm Springs area before. Um, I don't think I've been here before. Um, I've been in Northern Cal by Poppy Hills once. Um, SoCal a lot. Um, this is the first time in Paul Springs. So, so. Okay. Have you had a, uh, some, some people tell you about the area, about the Palm Springs area, maybe seen it on television for the Chevron championship, the dinosaur, which is no more a part of, uh, our golf culture as this year was the last year before it moved, but maybe you've seen, uh, that course, the course that you will soon compete on, the Dinosaur Tournament course on television? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've grown up watching the LPGA my whole life, of course. Um, and the Dinosaur is obviously just amazing. I always thought it was one of the best events in women's golf, um, just because of Poppy's Pond and the history that it had. Um, course is awesome, of course. I think it's I think it's one of the best, honestly, especially for TV. Um, I feel like it's really entertaining to watch, and the course is beautiful. 
Friends, we are visiting with Bailey Shoemaker, just 17 years old, in the desert this week out of uh, Dade City, Florida. She is set to compete in stage one of the LPGA's qualifying school. Again, taking place two courses at Mission Hills Country Club, the Palmer and the Dinah, also being played at Marriott Shadow Ridge Golf Club right here in Palm Desert, 54-hole cut. Uh, final round played back on the Dinah course for all competitors Bailey, uh, when you uh, read about uh, some of the rules, I got them printed out here for Q School. Was the first one that jumped out at you the cart rule that carts are allowed this week? Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, something I'm not that used to, but um, given the heat now that I'm here, I see why we were given the carts. And I'm uh, definitely glad um, that we we're allowed the carts this week. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about your uh, decision to compete in uh, in Q School. Uh, as mentioned at the outset, you are a, a commit for next year. You still have a year of high school to go, correct? Yep. Uh, so a, a fall of 23 commit uh, to play at USC. What, um, for you, what's the objective with uh, getting into uh, to Q School? Uh, are you just testing the waters a little, a little bit, or do you just want to see how far you can go? You tell me. Um, a little bit of both, but mostly just testing the waters. Um, it's, uh, I've heard from a lot of people, um, a lot of my friends that Q school is no joke, of course. Um, and it's a grind and, uh, mentally wearing and physically wearing. And I felt like, I feel like personally, the more practice I have at it and the more tries I give it, um, the easier it'll be in the future. Um, of course I still hope to attend USC, um, coming next year, but I'm just here for practice. Um, I feel like, I feel like giving myself as many chances as I can possibly give myself, uh, the better that I'll do in the long run. Um, and it'll be hard to do Q school, uh, when I'm in college because of, uh, just the dates that it works out in, you know, it's hard for college kids to be able to try it. Um, so I'm just trying it this year and we'll see how it goes. I don't want to put you in a weird spot with this question. I mean, you mentioned that your, your, your commitment to, to USC, but in the event, that you were to make it through this first stage this week to make it through the second stage and then ultimately make it to Q series. Have you thought about that potential hypothetical scenario in your golf career? Yeah, I've thought about it for sure. Um, the, these weeks are really hard. Um, stage one, obviously is still incredibly difficult. Um, I mean, I just got to play good golf and try to get through it. And, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm still hoping to go to USC. Um, I love, Love my coaches there. Love the team. Love everything about it. Um, I actually just changed my flights early because I didn't make finals at the AM. So I went and saw USC again. Um, went and toured campus again, and I love it. I'm looking forward to going to USC. It's a uh, interesting year, interesting timing, Bailey. Um, com- competing in your particular spot for a Q School and perhaps Q Series, and that I think it was back in the spring that the LPGA announced a change to the Q series qualification criteria. And I'm just reading verbatim here from the uh, press release, but it was announced that uh, beginning this year, players must compete as professionals in Q series, which again is the third and final stage of qualifying for the LPGA tour. If an amateur advances or is exempt in the Q series, she must turn professional to compete for the opportunity to earn LPGA tour membership goes on to say, that all players who qualify for Q series through stage two of Q school receive Epson tour status. Talked a lot of Epson tour on this program. Uh, Amateur players can continue to compete as an amateur, which is permitted on the Epson tour, or they may elect to turn professional and compete for an opportunity to advance directly to the LPGA. Now that might sound like a lot, but it basically says to me that different this year is that you can't (laughs) kind of, tow the waters so much and if you ultimately make it then you have a decision to make correct yep yep um yeah i mean i obviously hope to just play as an amateur this week um i hope i get to make it that far um and then i'll have a decision to make then um but yeah it it kind of eliminated testing the waters a little bit for a lot of people if you were to make it that far um there's a lot of good amateurs and there's a lot of good junior golfers that i know can definitely make it to the final stage and um, then raise a question for them. Um, definitely a risky, um, choice if you want to turn professional and risk not going to college, but, um, yeah, just got to make it there first. 
Uh, and I'm sorry to look too far ahead, but it couldn't help that this, you know, for you and your particular position at 17 years old, uh, not the youngest competitor, but certainly one of the youngest in the field this week. The way that the system used to work, um, I think for a few years there, the amateurs could tow the waters, um, but most of whom, almost all of them, I think Jennifer Cupcho, who won out here in the spring, was a rare exception that she gained pro status, but that ultimately decided to remain an amateur for one more year. But most of them ended up um, going pro anyway for what that's worth. Right. Yeah, I mean... I feel like when you're given that opportunity, um, especially here in Q school, it's really hard to pass it up. Um, Q school is hard. And um, it, when you, you make it that far, it's honestly kind of hard to do it again. Um, but even if I were to do that, I mean, more experience is better. Um, so if I were to make it that far, it'd be a great experience for next time. Madam Jennifer Cupcho, any particular players um, either that you came across or perhaps played with at the U.S. Women's Open? Uh, or saw at that event, or maybe just in general, Bailey, whose game, uh, the way they carry themselves, uh, whose careers that you really look up to, that you that you really aspire toward? Yeah, uh, my first two rounds, I played with uh, Pauline Rousseau Bouchard and Paula Rito um, at the U.S. Women's Open, and um, they uh, they helped me a lot, um, and they carried themselves so well that week. Um, they didn't play their best, obviously, they didn't make the cut. Um, they carry themselves so well. Um, they were just happy to be there. I mean, U.S. Women's Open is one of the best tournaments. And um, they showed on coverage um, when I made my put on 18 to guarantee that I make the cut. They gave me a hug. Um, and they were just, uh, they said some kind words to me and uh, were very happy for me that I made the cut um, and wished the best for me. And it was really nice to have that support um, from, you know, other players that have already had so much success on tour. Um, and they know how hard it is. They know it's a grind. Um, so just having their support as, you know, a kid in high school and um, going on to make the cut, I mean, it was pretty special to me. Um, what about LPGA legends? Is there anybody whose career you look up to that you're like, wow, someday I want to have a resume like hers? Um, She's still so young, but Lydia Ko has always been one of my favorite um, pros just because of her short game and um, her happy-go-lucky attitude. I mean, she just – a very kind person. Um, I haven't crossed paths with her yet, but I, I hope one day I do. I just love how she carries herself and I hope to have that success too one day. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Lydia Ko, back when she was 17, she was granted a rare exemption to turn yeah. uh, professional by then LPGA to her uh, commissioner, Mike Wan now with the USGA, but they let her play at 17 and per your personality description. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to interview Lydia Ko and exactly as you said, couldn't have been a nicer young lady. And that was when she was even younger. That was probably four or five years ago. So that's a good one to choose. Yeah. Wrap it up with a couple more, Bailey. I know you got some practice and some practice rounds before stage one gets underway this Thursday. You're in luck in that uh, yours truly, Uncle Juddy, your host of the Spicer Speaking Podcast, readily familiar with all three courses that you will be playing uh, this uh, this week probably played the Palmer and Shadow Ridge a couple hundred times. You want to pick my brain? Do you have any questions for me? I don't know if there's any anything about yeah, the courses. For sure. Yeah, what what, what what do you want to know? Uh, I mean, I played Palmer yesterday. Um, that was my first practice round. And I started on 10, and I was, I was actually kind of surprised. It seemed kind of short. And then uh, I go to the front nine and totally different, totally different than the back nine. Um, I felt like the front nine played a lot longer. Um do you think that the front nine is harder than the back nine? I'm going to say yes, but only because there are a couple particular holes, which I think uh, the ninth hole um, is maybe the, the yeah. one that I struggle with uh, the most. I always kind of play it as a as a three-shot par, par four. Um, mm -hmm. I don't hit the ball super far, so I always kind of aim for prudence. And on that hole in particular, there's trouble to be found on the second shot on number nine yeah. on Palmer. So I always kind of play it as a three-shot hole. I like to come up from the right side. It leaves kind of a delicate chip because you're chipping toward water with the green kind of running away from you toward water. But for someone of your capabilities, I don't think that that's a chip that you're going to struggle with at all. I will say that the Palmer, I would probably consider it 
the quote unquote easiest of the three courses right. that you're going to play. How, how many yards uh, did you play it from yesterday? What was the setup? Um, I'm actually not too sure. It was probably around like 62 to 6,400 though. Um, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, the front nine had a lot more hybrids in and the back nine had a lot more wedges, um, which is fair. Yeah. I think that you'll probably have no, no problem getting after it at, on the Palmer. Um, the dining, you said you've seen on television many times. You're familiar with that layout. Shadow Ridge is, of course, again, probably played it two, three hundred times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've, you've yet to play that course, correct? Yeah, I'm actually playing that today. Okay. I'll be interested to, to hear your thoughts. My assessment, whether I tell um, Sterling golfers like yourself uh, or I tell buddies coming out in the winter to to go knock it around and dust off their clubs from coming out from the Midwest. I don't think you'll have many trouble at all from the tee on um, mm-hmm. on Shadow Ridge. It is very much a resort style golf course to allow players to get off the tee no problem. It is, however, very much a, a second shot golf course. Puts a lot mm-hmm. of bonus on the approaches. And the tip we always give for Marriott Shadow Ridge, don't play that course from behind the pin. That's yeah. where it's designed to be penal. Okay. Sounds good. Um, green's <laughs> rolling good. Pretty fast. Well, we have, I guess, what I feel comfortable calling summer conditions here in the desert. Um, not what you're going to see in January, February, March, where everything is generally perfect. When I played there on Sunday, I got to say that I felt that the course played pretty slow a little slower Mm -hmm. than what I'm used to seeing Shadow Ridge play like, mostly referring to the green and the green surrounds. You have really sizable green structures with, they're fun. They have a lot of swales. They allow for a lot of creativity. So over the years, I learned how to play that course without aiming for the pin and allow swales to kind of just ride your ball in there somewhere. Be curious what again what you think today because it wasn't playing with as much bounce. The greens were a little slower, didn't allow for as much undulation and roll toward the pin. Right. Maybe there's been some agronomy in the last couple days that is, and they've shaved it down a little bit as well. They should to allow it to right. play a little a little faster for you ladies. But seeing those putts that all those putts that you made at the at the at the U.S. Women's Open, I think you're really going to have a good time playing Shadow Ridge. I sure hope so. I hope that there's more of that this week. (laughs) Bailey, so appreciative of your time. Um, Kudos to you on uh, an exceptional career thus far at the mere age of 17. Uh, I know that I, and I trust my listener as well, will look forward to following the Q School leaderboard over the course of this week, again, at Shadow Ridge and the two courses, two of the three courses at Mission Hills Country Club. See how you're doing on that leaderboard. Again, thanks for your time and all the best to you this week. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, dudes. Thank you so much tuning in to episode 62 of the Spicer Speaking Podcast. So appreciative, continually appreciative of your time, your interest, your ears. Big thanks to this week's guest, Chad Powers, columnist for the Desert Sun newspaper. Go get a physical newspaper or read Chad's work at DesertSun.com. Bailey Shoemaker competing in this week's Stage 1 of LPGA Q School, taking place at Mission Hills Country Club and Marriott's Shadow Ridge Golf Club. Look forward to tracking Bailey's scores and likely success at LPGA.com of Q School leaderboards. Of course, none of this would be possible without three super sponsors. That list begins with Perform Better at PerformBetter.com, your gym fitness, workout, seminar needs. Don't forget about that summer sale continuing now through the close of September. Up to 40% off. Nearly 100 items. Get your fit. Find that at performbetter.com. Desert Willow Golf Resort right here in Palm Desert, California. Get your tee times online for the Mountain View and Firecliff courses at desertwillow.com. Don't forget about the on-site Palm Desert 
Golf Academy for all the expert instruction that you're going to need. Terrific facility. I'm going to be headed over there just a few days hence. Go see Paul Busey, my swing doctor. I'm going to take a quick peek at the swing. It's been a while. Internationally renowned golf photography from John and Janine Hennebury. Find their vast portfolio of international and domestic work, golf courses all over the globe. Online, that's the Hennebrys, H-E-N-E-B-R-Y-S.com. Look, you're a golf course owner, you're an operator, head super, GM, haven't had fresh photography of your golf course for your guests, your membership, for your website, haven't done it for a long time. Time to update that. You're going to want to hire the Hennebrys. Again, just take a look at their work at thehennebrys.com and you will see why. Everybody have a great week out there. Enjoy the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs in Delaware. You be safe and be well.